Welcome to the Mad, Mad, Mad Podcast with your hosts, KP and Hibble. The Mad 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 Podcast. It's just KP tonight. We're running a solo show. We're not talking about sports or wrestling, things of that nature. Hipple's just not into that kind of thing, so he just sits those out. So, like I had in the uh, written introduction for the show, where you clicked on the link here, whether it's through Anchor or through Spotify, or if you found us on Facebook or wherever it was, we appreciate you being with us. We appreciate you listening. Our likes and listens keep getting a little bit higher each time we put a show out. So. Now, for those of you all who are enjoying the show, that what me and Hipple have put together, hey, we appreciate it. But this weekend, UFC, if you are a mixed martial arts fan, this is the show to see for the year. Um, you have Amanda Nunes. Uh, she is a monster. She's facing off against Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson might be the biggest threat to what we've seen in, out of anybody that Nunes has faced. Uh, she's a true featherweight. Um, She's taller, she's longer, she's got reach, she's got experience, uh, she's gritty, and she's tough. Megan Anderson is not someone to sleep on. Um, now, I'm not saying that she's going to beat Nunez. Nunez is a, you know, 1,700-point favorite on this fight. You know, Anderson is a huge underdog. That is the way it is for a reason, because Nunez is just an absolute monster of a fighter. I'm not saying that because she's a woman or a man. I'm saying she is a fighter. You could put her in there with some of the lower card 135 guys, and she'd probably knock a few of them out. But with that said, you know the the money is the smart money is on Nunez to win. She's she's just phenomenal, and if you follow mixed martial arts at all, then you know that Amanda Nunez has probably got the argument in the case to be made for the greatest women's mixed martial arts fighter that we've ever seen. Also, you have. Uh, Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling going at it for the uh, Midget Man title. Uh, these little bastards are quick. They are fun. They are electric. They are nonstop action. And I'm joking with the Midget title, but these are little people, folks. Uh, they are the, you know one of the smaller divisions you've got going on in the UFC right now. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be a very fast-paced fight because these little guys can go. They have cardio and stamina for days and speed. Um... I'm not that familiar with Peter Yan. I know he's beat Jose Aldo. Um, I've seen a little bit more of Aljamain Sterling. He's a little more flashy. He's more exciting. Seems like he has more bang for his buck. I really can't pick a winner on that one like I would the Nunez fight. And then you got the main event, and this is title, you know, champion versus champion. Uh, middleweight champion Adis, Israel Adesanya is going up to fight against Jan Blakovich at the, for the light heavyweight title. Uh you know, the Polish power, he won the vacant light heavyweight title when John Jones decided to call it quits in that division and move up to heavyweight. And, you know, I love the, the Polish power, uh, being of Polish heritage. And uh, I don't say that I'm a Polish-American because I've never been to Poland. I wasn't born there, but my heritage is Polish. So, of course, I'm rooting for him this weekend. But if you look at the marketing, if you look at the advertising, they are building this show all around Israel Adesanya. They are throwing their eggs in the basket for him to win and become a megastar because John Jones has lost a lot of luster on his name. Brock Lesnar isn't there. 
Amanda Nunes, for as great as she is, is not pulling the eyeballs that Ronda Rousey pulled in. Connor doesn't fight all that much. And even though Dustin Poirier just beat him, he's not as bankable of a marketable type star as Connor was. He didn't have that aura and that draw to him. Khabib is gone. GSP is gone. They are desperate for a huge megastar. And if you look at all the commercials, all the promos, all the advertising, this is being built as the showcase for Israel Adesanya to break through, be a two-division champ, and hit the stratosphere and become a megastar. I feel it's kind of disrespectful the way they've done this toward the Polish powerhouse because he's not getting a lot of respect in any of these ads. He's not getting a lot of love. But this is his first defense. And while Israel has pretty much cleaned out the middleweight division, um, it's going to be a fantastic fight. Israel is going to be the much smaller fighter. Uh, he is banking on precision and speed to overcome strength and power. And as we all know in mixed martial arts, fights like this tend to be stand-up fights. Anything can happen. We've seen precision and speed overcome strength and power many times. We've also seen power just be something that you can't overcome. So does Israel have the chin to take the big punch from the Polish powerhouse? And he's going to hit him. Um, you know, this isn't one of those situations where Israel is going to pull off a force, and maybe he will. Maybe he'll pull off an Anderson Silva Force Griffin performance. And if he did, bless him and bless mixed martial arts because they're going to have a star. He will blow up if he Force Griffins this shit out of the light heavyweight champ. But we've seen Izzy get hit by smaller men. We've seen him get, you know, rocked and get a little rattled. He's going to be in there against the strongest guy he's ever faced. Um, he's in there with a guy who hits harder than anyone he's fought in his mixed martial arts career. But that was the same case with Paulo Costa. And Israel starched him. So it's going to be an interesting fight. I think the marketing and the fan support is behind Israel. I think the money's probably going to be on Israel. I'm rooting for the Polish power. But it's going to be a fun one to see. Um... So that is going on this Saturday. You can check them out, you know, on pay-per-view or whatever streaming service that you choose to use. I cannot advertise for any of that stuff because it's illegal. But there's ways to watch the fight without paying $70. If you look hard enough, you can figure it out. But moving on to the main topic of the week, and that is professional wrestling. And we've got some stuff that's been happening, getting the internet quite a buzz, getting the rumor mills going, getting people talking on message boards. So let's hit some of the big ones. And I'm going to start with, in my opinion, the biggest event of the big. And that is we have a new WWE World Heavyweight Champion in Bobby Lashley. And all I can say is it is about time. I remember when Bobby Lashley first came in, years ago with the WWF, and they called him Black Lesnar, and he was young, and he was green, and he was facing Simon Dean over hamburger matches, and then he left. His TNA run was phenomenal. It was Larry Sanka, who was the writer over at 411mania.com, and uh, rest in peace, Larry, he was a phenomenal guy, phenomenal Arthur. You can look at, you know, people over there really liked this guy. He was very well respected. And he did pass away. But he wrote when he was writing for 411 during Bobby Lashley's run, he gave him the nickname Gives No Fucks Lashley. 
because he, Lashley in TNA was just a beast and a monster. And when he came to the WWE, I was hoping and praying that version of Bobby Lashley would come over. And it didn't happen. We got the Bobby Lashley that just spun around in the mid-card doing nothing. Then we had that horrible angle with Rusev. But hey, anytime you can kiss and grow up and hug and squeeze on somebody as hot as Lana, you can't really call it a bad day. Um, and I say that as a married guy. I'm sure my wife would roll her eyes if she heard it. I'm sure Bobby Lashley's wife did not enjoy the storyline at all. But I think we all agree that it was a horrible angle. It didn't really do anything. And then when Lashley joined in with the Hurt business, we saw that change start with MVP taking over the mouthpiece. And if anyone who followed back in TNA, give no fucks Lashley, was brought about during his run in time when MVP was there in the company. So there's history with those guys, and I love that they kept them together and they've kind of touched on that. But Bobby Lashley is now the champ. Um, if you go back for the last year and... Think about it. Bobby Lashley has been protected and built up as a force. He hasn't taken hardly any pinfalls. I know he lost to Drew, and that may have been the last time I can remember Lashley maybe actually taking the fall. You know, in any kind of matches with the Hurt Business when they had the feud with Retribution, you know, if there was a fall to be taken, it was Sheldrick or Cedric or MVP. Lashley wouldn't take in the pinfalls on those. But when you saw him in the ring, you saw that gives no fuck Lashley monster coming out. He was a wrecking ball. And this is he, they have been letting him do this in this card. And it's going to be interesting because I believe they have a huge baby face on their hands with how Lashley is right now. He is all business in the ring. He has the present. He has the look. He can't talk worth a shit. And that's why they got him with MVP. And that is... A great thing. Bobby Lashley on a talk show can speak very clear, very eloquently. He's a good spokesperson for the company, but he's not a good promo guy. He's not going to cut that huge, menacing promo that has you on the edge of your seat. But if he was on a talk show with Colbert or Arsenio Hall or at any time in any era, he would come across very well for the company. So as far as him being a public spokesperson... Heading into WrestleMania, I think Bobby Lashley's just fine with that. But he is the champ, and I'm happy about this. I love it. I am a mark for Bobby Lashley. I have been for a while. And I really wish his title win would have been in front of a live crowd. Um, the Thunderdome sucks because no crowd sucks. They're doing all they can production-wise, but it's the same problem AEW has in wrestling in general. Wrestling in general is based around the crowd and the audience, and not having that sucks. But the angle, how they did it over the course of Monday Night Raw, with Miz being the chicken shit heel, weaseling his way out, the lumberjacks coming in, and then Lashley just steamrolling him, I think in front of a live crowd, they would have ate it up. And not just because the Miz is a fantastic heel that can get that kind of heat, I think this run, had it been in front of a crowd, I think Lashley would be getting that pop. I think the crowd would be with him because what he's doing in the ring is great. And it has been for months. Uh, you know, like I said, I can't put it over enough. I just, I wish it was in front of a live crowd because I think they would have been popping like crazy. 
And Alex, I said a few minutes ago, I think they could have a big, big, mega baby face on their hands with Bobby Lashley. I just don't know how they've been approaching the booking with the Hurt Business. Because they portrayed them as heels, then Retribution came in, and then they feuded immediately with Retribution, and they were portraying Retribution as this Antifa-like underground movement of heels, which would put the Hurt Business as faces. But outside of Retribution, most of the work that the Hurt Business has been doing has been as heels. Uh, not full-on heel, not the Miz or MJF level type heelness. They've been a little on the tweener side, I guess, in some ways. But I think they've been booked more as heels. But Bobby Lashley has been just booked as an absolute monster. And it looks like at WrestleMania, we're probably heading to Drew versus Bobby. They had a run in TNA together that was great. They had a little bit of work together earlier this year that was decent. I think they could do better because I've seen them do better together in, uh, back when it was TNA Impact. But on the grand stage, WrestleMania, you give these guys 25, 30 minutes or so. I think Lashley and McIntyre are going to put on a hell of a show. I think the match will be a lot better than Roman Reigns versus Edge is going to be. And we'll talk about that here in just a minute. But the Bobby Lashley, I mean, I know the big show went to AEW. I know Edge made his pick for WrestleMania. But when the world title changes hands live on Monday Night Raw in a dominating, devastating fashion the way that it happened, to me that has to be the biggest news, the biggest story of the week um, or what we got going on right now. But as everybody else also knows, the other big story that broke was Paul White is AEW bound. He is all in, baby. The giant of WCW, the big show of the WWE. He is now Paul White, all in, all elite, and that's where he's at. And man, did that get uh, the rumors and the, the internet buzzing like crazy. Again, not having fans in live attendance sucks. It has to suck for the reformers. It sucks as a fan watching. But it got the internet going, and that's pretty much all they have to really work with right now. So that comes down to the question is, AEW now has Paul White. What does it mean for AEW? Well, uh, immediately we saw they got, you know, uh, the headlines. It got... People looking over, reading the charts, uh, wanting to know what the hell's going on. The Big Show. The Big Show was now in AEW. He just bailed on the WWE. You know, yeah, it's a headline-grabbing thing because the Big Show's a big star. He's not The Rock. He's not Hogan. He's not John Cena. But the Big Show has done more crossover work than John Moxley or Chris Jericho or Cody Rhodes. He's had Netflix shows. He's been in movies. He's had a 22-year-long career at the top or just, at, you know, in the under-main event or at the main event level. He's a huge star in wrestling. Um, so, yeah, of course, that is a good thing for AEW to get, you know, another huge name. And he's not an old, old guy like Tully or Arn or even Sting. I mean, the Big Show clearly isn't the same guy he was in 2002. He's not that young spring chicken, but... We've seen the Big Show be able to deliver, still at the stage, some good stuff. Um, and that's the question is, 
all right, now that you have him in AEW, what do you do with him? Because I understand with wrestling, there has to be a suspension of belief. But AEW's roster is tiny people, uh, comparatively speaking to professional wrestling in general, historically and present. Um, You know, Darby Allin, Orange Cassidy, Jungle Boy, the Young Bucks, these are little guys. I mean, we're talking a group of, you know, Sonny Kiss, for crying out loud. A lot of people under 200 pounds. If you're going to have Big Show do wrestling in the ring, how do you present him in AEW when he is not just the biggest guy in the room? Because he's always been the biggest guy in the room. Now he is the much, much, much bigger guy in the room. AEW doesn't have anybody on their roster that is even close to matching the Big Show's size. I mean, sure, Lance, uh, Archer is tall, uh, and Brian Cage is a jacked-up He-Man, but nobody, there's nobody even remotely close to the Big Show's full-on size. The height, the width, the girth, the strength. Um, so, you know, if you're going to bring him in and he's just that big, and he's that much stronger, ladies will testify. Size matters, fellas. And... You're looking at it, and I'm like, okay, how does the Big Show not just come in and run a rough shot over the entire roster? Even though it's late in his career and it's 22 years, if you let the Big Show walk into AEW and just be that pissed-off, angry giant who can just rip things apart and just go crazy, who are you going to have stop this guy other than possibly a Brian Cage or a Lance Archer? Sure, you've got big name guys in Cody Rhodes or John Moxley or Jericho or even Jake Hager. But if you take the big show and put him in there as just a raging giant, not doing comedy sketches, not doing goofball stuff, but just a huge pissed off wrecking ball, AEW doesn't have anybody that visually can be perceived as a threat to this guy outside of possibly like Brian Cage. Again, because Brian Cage is a jacked-up He-Man figure. Uh, And don't get me wrong, love me some Brian Cage. Huge fan for Brian Cage. I don't understand what they've been doing with him in AEW. Uh, He should have already had the title by now. I think he could be more bankable of a star than Kenny Omega or Jericho at this point. Because Brian Cage is a beast of a monster in the ring. He can go. He can move. He's got the size. He's got the looks. And he's a better promo than Bobby Lashley. But outside of him or a Lance Archer, what are you going to do with the Big Show? I mean, feasibly, you're not going to be able to conceive somebody 160 pounds like Darby Allen or Orange Cassidy beating this guy. He's, his thigh is bigger than their entire body. And then on the flip side, if you do have him just come in and wreck things and just go on a tear... You're talking about an old veteran of 22 years who's long past his prime dominating a company full of young guys. Um, so that's where I look at the, the situation of how do they book the big show in AEW. That can be very tricky because really you just you, it's going to be hard to conceive someone 
of that kind of stature, and we're not just talking about a big person, folks. We're talking about a large mammoth individual. There's not many people, especially in athletics, that are in, on, on the face of the planet that are bigger than the big show. Um, that's what makes him such a unique thing, like Shaquille O'Neal and Yao Ming and Andre the Giant. Those type of people just don't come around all that often. So how do you book him in AEW? And that's going to be interesting, folks. But as far as them landing the big show, it was a great move publicly, PR-wise. Uh, he is a veteran. He's going to bring a lot to the AEW locker room, for sure. A lot of experience there. Uh, but yeah, it's a huge thing. Um, it's a big-name signing. It's not Hulk Hogan turning heel. It's um, you know I won't even rate it as you know, Hall and Nash type big jump into WCW. But it is a big, big signing for a company like AEW that needs stars. And I go back and forth with some friends on this all the time that AEW does not have stars. They have John Moxley and Chris Jericho. And people who know of Moxley know him of being Dean Ambrose. And yeah, he was a big name in WWE, but while he was right there at the top, we're talking, you know, as John Cena's been leaving, Reigns, Rollins, Ambrose, ratings were down, wrestling wasn't seen by as near as many people as it had five, six, seven, ten years ago. Jericho's, a, you know, again, he's like Big Show. The AEW got launched on the shoulders of Jericho being their big star, and Jericho's a huge name in wrestling. And then after that, you got Cody. Uh, Cody did a lot of great work in Japan, and obviously he's you know busted his ass working with AEW, but has Cody Rhodes ever been seen in all across the wrestling brands as a top-level super draw? No, he hasn't. And that's not a knock on Cody, folks. Um, you know, obviously AEW's a young company. They haven't had time to build themselves up and to be in a conglomerate brand like the WWE. And when he went to TNA Impact, was they were at their lowest points. So his biggest exposure as a wrestler has been in Japan, where he had a, a good short run, and then his career in the WWE, where he was a mid-carder at best. Now, am I saying that Cody does not have potential? No, I'm not saying that. Cody has a ton of potential. He has the potential to be a better wrestler and a better star than his brother. You know, trying to match his father, that's a huge, huge thing. But we'll see what happens with Cody. But outside of Cody, Jericho, and Moxley, the Big Show's the biggest name they got now. Um, and then that leads us into the, the Kenny Omega, John Moxley upcoming situation with this Bob Wire C4 explosive death match. I've seen the ones from the 90s, like most wrestling fans of the Attitude Era did. Thank you to Terry Funk and McFoley and Tape Traders. Those things were brutal and barbaric, and there's honestly, there's no need for that in wrestling today. There's really not, and I'm not saying that to be somebody who just shits on everything, but let's be real, folks. We're in a society that is angry and censoring Kermit the Frog and Dr. Seuss, and you're going to try to have people go out and do an exploding C4 Bob Dwyer deathmatch. Talk about reading the room wrong, okay? Um, wrong time in culture, wrong time in society. The other thing is, Again, you don't have fans. You don't have the people in attendance. And that is what wrestling is built for. So you're going to have Dean 
or I'm sorry, Moxley and Omega put their bodies through God knows what for the TV show, but there's no live crowd. They're not entertaining anyone there. And they're going to do stupid, dangerous stunts. I don't think that this type of match is needed at all in wrestling. I don't think it was needed in the 1990s in Japan either. But Japan's a different place, different culture, different things. Um, and I know we've had CZW and ECW. But at some point, you just got to look at it and be like, all right, well, this is just fucking stupid. And C4 exploding death matches are just fucking stupid. The other problem with this is, at what point in this feud has it ever gotten so violent and so heated and so hatred and become such a marquee situation where we need this kind of match? Um, every match John Moxley has is a variation of a hardcore match. He loves that garbage wrestling. Um, sorry to quote Jim Cornette, but it is what it is. It's that hardcore, brawling, garbage wrestling that has... Very little to no psychology or selling whatsoever. Um, not a fan of the style. It, it works at times when when the selling is good and the angle is there and the ring workers are there. But again, AEW is not known for psychology and selling uh, and pushing that type of story. It's They are a spot fest company, people. It is spot fest, spot fest, move, move. Get all your shit in as much as you can. Cram it all in. We're not using psychology. We're not going to do things that make sense. But damn it, we are going to put on an exciting aerobics display of gymnastics, masked and wrestling. And they've got a lot of guys who are great at that. Um, you know, like the Bucks. I'm not a huge Young Bucks fan. Can they do some really cool stuff? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, they can do backflips off guardrails and use ladders like trampolines and it's cool visual stuff, but in the concept of wrestling, they don't make any damn sense, and they can't sell for shit. And that's my big problem with Moxley right now. And then Omega, you know, I wasn't that familiar with him in Japan, but I knew of the hype. And everybody was, he was coming in as he was going to be the greatest wrestler on the face of the earth. He was going to skyrocket. He was going to be a superstar. And I'm sorry, but... Talk about a guy who has not lived up to any of that, in my opinion. You know, they're talking he's going to be this great wrestler, one of the greatest we've ever seen, and I'm like, this guy can't even lace the boots of people like Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. I'm sorry, he can't. I think Cody Rhodes is a much better professional wrestler than Kenny Omega. And, you know, it is what it is, but Omega and Mox are going to do this stupid death match that, you know, whatever... I'm going to watch it because it's spectacle, and I think that's what like most fans are going to watch it, just to be like, what are they going to do? Is this going to be cinematic style? How much of this can be cut and edited? How much is going to be live? How much is going to be real? How are they going to pull this off without it being corny and fake? Um, you know, because we just saw over in the E them do something very extreme and pushing the limits when they did the burning of the feed, and it was a cool visual. But after the visual of it wore off, you realize that, all right, well, that was fake. Um, that was corny. And you just had somebody commit fucking murder in the middle of a ring. Um, you know, you can't d suspend belief to that point where, okay, well, we're going to watch Randy Orton burn a guy to death in the ring. And Randy Orton's not even going to get a trial, much less going to prison. 
So you're going to have people throwing each other into C4 explosives. And I'm like, again, it doesn't make any sense. It's all spectacle. I'm still waiting for AEW to put the belt on Brian Cage. Uh, that's my guy in that company. I mean, if you want to put the belt around someone that you can bank as being a marketable star, Brian Cage is the best they got right now. Um, let's go with He-Man. And, you know, that takes me over away from AEW back over to the WWE. Edge and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. That's your main event. Not feeling it, folks. Not feeling this one at all. Uh, I gotta admit, I'm not a Roman Reigns guy. I have never have been. I've always found his matches to be very boring. I find his promo work has always been D-level. Uh, when he was in the Shield, Dean carried the interviews, Seth carried the ring work, Reigns was just a power guy. He never had any character, and now they turned him heel, and I know, you know, if you go over and look at some message boards at some of the, at WrestleZone or 411, you see a lot of fanboys jerking it. Oh, his heel turn, it's, it's the greatest thing we've ever seen. It's different, and it's fresh for Roman Reigns, but it's not the greatest heel turn of all time. This, I'm the tribal chief, head of the table, uh, it's corny, it's stupid bullshit, because the majority of wrestling fans aren't from the islands. They're not Samoans, and they don't give a shit if you're the head of the table or the tribal chief. Um, again, I mean, that just it just plays up that old, you know, the lineage and the stereotype. But it's dumb. It's like Becky Lynch walking around saying, I'm the man! I'm like, no, you're a chick. And I get it, and, you know, there's a lot of trans people in this world. But Becky Lynch wasn't playing a trans. She was walking around saying, I'm the man. No, it was dumb. Just like Roman Reigns being the tribal chief is stupid. Okay, cool. You're the tribal chief. That means you're the head of Rikishi and the Usos and some other old people and Tamina. Yay. His delivery on his promos still isn't that good. He still, to me, does not come across menacing or threatening. Yeah, he comes across as a bully to Adam Pearce, and the program with Kevin Owens drew out way too long. I think all of us will agree to that. The matches weren't that great. Their chemistry wasn't that awesome. Uh, it did not do Kevin Owens any favors whatsoever when you just job out every... every they Lex Lugard him for four months is what they did. Now Kevin Owens looks like nothing but a choke artist. How many times can you get a chance to just lose every single time. And Paul Heyman is great. Paul Heyman's always fantastic. Paul Heyman is one of the greatest speakers in the history of wrestling. So he's always going to be a strong promo guy. And, of course, it does lead, uh, give credibility to Roman Reigns because of the work that we just saw Heyman doing with Lesnar. But I'm not feeling Roman Reigns, and I haven't. But then you have Edge, and Edge is back. And... What are they doing to the entire roster? You had Edge do his big surprise return. It was great. That was after nine years being gone. He did the Royal Rumble last year. He did two matches, and he was hurt, and he was gone. He comes back in at number one. So you're talking about a guy who has not wrestled for ten years, and he 
comes in at number one in the Rumble and outlasts your entire roster of guys who have been honing their craft for the last 10 years and working their asses off. But here's a relic from the past, and that's what Edge is. He didn't. Re- he wasn't gone for just two or three years, 10 years, a decade. Edge is a relic of the past. And yeah, it's a good nostalgia bump, but they booked him in the Rumble, you know, from first to last. He's the old guy. So you're telling me that all 29 of these other young, hungry lions couldn't take care of this. And now he's going into WrestleMania, and has Edge even had a solo match outside of the two that he had with Randy Orton? No. And he's going to be your headliner. He's running WrestleMania. A guy who cannot work a full-time schedule, Brock Lesnar. A guy who was gone for 10 years, and he is a nostalgia relic of the past. Edge isn't going to give us another five, six, seven-year run. He's here for a year or two and gone. This is his swan song. And I don't think him and Roman Reigns should close the show. I do believe that Lashley and Drew is going to be better. I think it should be marketed as a bigger match because it's banking on two younger stars that can both do more in the long term for the company than Edge can. I think Roman Reigns has peaked as much as we're ever going to see him peak. I don't think he's ever going to get more over face or heel than what we've already seen. Roman Reigns is not the next Johnson. I know they're forcing it. They're going to push it. He's not the guy. He's just a guy. There's more money to be made long-term in a Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre and Big E and Keith Lee than there is with Roman Reigns. So, yeah, like I said, I'm not feeling that for WrestleMania at all. And to close out for the evening, the last thing really, um, we're going to go back to AEW here. The Big Show's announcement that somebody is going to debut with the company that is Hall of Fame worthy. I'm curious. I want to know who it is. If they're Hall of Fame worthy, does that mean that they're already a Hall of Fame guy? Or is that they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but they're not in the Hall of Fame? Um, I, I wish that he would have made a little more distinction there. I know Booker T has the Hall of Fame podcast. We've seen Booker T leave, go to TNA, Impact, and come back. Uh, I would hate for it to be Booker T. And, again... I love me some Booker T, but he's a relic of the past. I, I wish it was John Cena, to be honest. Um, if AEW is going to take off and they're going to get that big, big spike and they're going to grab that wrestling audience and get the attention away from doing a .8 rating, they're going to have to get a John Cena or a CM Punk in the company. I don't think it's going to be either guy. I think it's going to be... You know, a Booker T or Mark Henry. I think it's going to be somebody older uh, and somebody who's not going to be able to provide a whole lot to AEW long-term in any way, shape, or form. But I hope I'm wrong. I would like to see it to be somebody that's going to shake it up. But with no crowds and no fans and no attendance, I don't see CM Punk wasting his time. And as funny as it would be if John Cena pulled a Hulk Hogan, I... I think he'd be too loyal to the WWE. That's his entire life. I don't think it's going to happen. 
I don't think The Rock would do it. I don't think it would be Stone Cold. So it is going to be interesting. Um, you know, who is it? Who do you think it is? Uh, you know, give us your thoughts. You can hit us up over on Facebook at KP Love Puppet, or you can email uh, lovepuppet at gmail.com. That is L-O-V-E-P-U-P-P-E-T-T. It does have two T's because somebody already took the Love Puppet name. And I know this is the Mad, Mad, Mad podcast, but it evolved and built from a different show where we just kept that email. Or you can hit us up at Anchor and leave us a voice message right there on our page. So, hey, we appreciate it. Like I said, this was just going to be a quick wrestling show tonight about some of the big things going on. And we talked about the UFC. So, on our next show, it's going to be back to more um, pushing the envelope, ADD Madness with Hipple. We're going to be recording that this weekend. Um, but until then, this is KP. I hope, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of good things going on in wrestling. We're going to get some crowds coming back. WrestleMania is going to have some people. You know, Texas is opening up. Uh, some states are going to start opening back up here. So, hey... If we can get some fans back into the, into these shows, I think it's just going to help the product because all wrestling needs the fans. It needs them live and in person. And let's go with Bobby Lashley. Uh, I'm on the Bobby Lashley train. I don't know if he's going to retain against Drew at WrestleMania, but I am on the Bobby Lashley train. If they're not going to put Biggie in that role, then yeah, let's run with Bobby Lashley. I think Biggie's would be better. I think Biggie's the guy. I just don't think they've seen it yet. But hey, for right now, I, you know what? I don't really care about Edge and Reigns. I want to see Lashley and Drew McIntyre at Mania. That's what that's what I want to see close the show. And that's all we got, folks. Until next time, take care, stay COVID free, wear your masks, wash your hands, obey the government. Take care.